old school Paul, new school Justin. Man, y'all still going to school though. <laughs> Sit down, listen up. Father, son, y'all think it's just another one. Fade the Vader, they be grading players, all it's done is. Made the piper pay me, and they've been grinding lately. Up late, hit the waivers, don't hate the player, hate me. It's just a game boy, never gifted one on Christmas. Instead, I asked for ships to hit everything off my wish list. Check the litmus, do y'all really not get this? Hit this triangular shaped button, I don't want you to miss this. But I guess that's really none of my business Me risky free, cruise with pollen, Justin, just listening Yards after contact and catch, that's a lot of distance The kind of info make me wanna blow opponents' kisses But I gotta be clear, there was one key difference Relationship is deep in this vent of ellipses Like how Justin agreed to washing all the dishes I'm just grateful Paul turned the miss into the missus Father, son, pie, get down on the get down If you don't get it now, then get, get out Father, son, pie, sit down and get rich now if you're not feeling it now then get get out what's up everybody welcome to the father son fantasy football podcast my name is paul my name is justin you can follow you on twitter if you want to follow you i recommend following my dad doesn't tweet a lot but just for entertainment purposes (laughs) at paul fsff my twitter is at justin underscore ffb and I feel alone over here. I'm the only Justin on the show. So today, I'm honored to be joined by a fellow Justin, Justin Boone from The Score, one of the most, if not the most accurate rankers year over year over year. You always see him in the top for fantasy pros. What's going on, Justin? What's up, Justin? Man, appreciate you guys having me here. And I guess I have a little bit of bad news off the top because, yes, on paper, it does say Justin on my birth certificate. But since I was young, I think about three nobody's called me Justin. My friends call me Boone, which is my last name. My family gave me the nickname of Jake along the way at one point, and I've kind of gone by those two. And when people call me Justin, I actually had a, a new neighbor move in recently, and I was out in the yard doing work, and he said, Justin, Justin, and I didn't even turn around. And I, and I was like, oh, and then I had to explain exactly that to him. Oh, I'm sorry, you know, like, aside from maybe when I meet people for the first time, they'll uh, call me that, but yeah, so... Feel free to call me Boone or Jake or Justin or whatever, but uh, yeah, uh, maybe not the camaraderie you were hoping for with the name. <laughs> I guess. I'll have to use it for arguing points if I say any fellow Justin to back me up. That's what I'm going to use it, but Boone sounds good to me. I, I, I get called my last name a lot. I get called Toth a lot, like all my college friends and all that, so I understand, but not as much as you, but Boone's a cooler name than Toth in my opinion. No offense to that. Boom, Boone's got a nice little it nice is. little ring to so it. So I guess you're all alone. <laughs> I guess I'm all alone today. <laughs> we got some good topics, and this is going to be a redraft show. If you guys aren't subscribed to the podcast, do that now. Help yourself out. We got a great guest lineup. We we're continuing it with Boone from the score. And kick it off right here. Aaron Rodgers. I'm not a fan. Jonathan Tidwell, one of our favorite listeners. Uh, he knows I'm not a fan. He's a Packers fan. He's not happy that I don't like Aaron Rodgers. But right now, Aaron Rodgers is going as a QB9 in drafts, and Carson Wentz is going as a QB11. So which one do you got between Carson Wentz and Aaron Rodgers? We're going to talk one QB league. You don't have a quarterback yet. So you can take a quarterback. You obviously can't pass on these guys. If you had to take one of these guys, gun to your head, Dad, who are you taking? It's Wentz all day. Oh, okay. Well, why is it Wentz? Well, look, the Green Bay Packers went 13-3 and last year. Yeah. Right? They should have addressed the run defense and wide receiver help this year in the draft. Instead, who do they draft? QB Jordan Love. I don't understand that. I don't know if anyone else understands that. But, I mean, he's still had a decent year. He's still had over 4,000 yards. His second lowest ever interception rating. The run game was was really good. And the only reason why it was really good was because they were ahead in most of their games. 
right? So they didn't really have to rely on his arm. They ran the ball, ran the ball, ran, and it worked out for Aaron Jones tremendously. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I, I think a lack of, of quality wide receivers is going to hurt Rodgers' fantasy value this year with a strong run game with Jones, and now they, they drafted A.J. Dillon, who I think is going to have some benefit in that backfield. So they might steal a lot of the goal line work uh, away from Rodgers. So that's why I'm going with Wentz. Wentz, on the other hand, he had a great 2019 considering the injuries to his wide receiver corpse, right? All his, all his wide receivers were injured at one point or another. Um, he finished with over 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns. Uh, they did draft three of the fastest wide receivers probably in the draft, especially with Jalen Rager coming over as the number one Love wide receiver. Love Jalen Rager. Can't go wrong with Jalen Rager. You can't. Definitely a big upgrade. From so Greg the big Ward. thing with last year is no no wide receiver on the Eagles had over 500 yards receiving at all. Yeah. And Wentz still had a great year. Wentz is the first QB in NFL history to throw for more than 4,000 yards without getting a single wide receiver over 500 receiving yards. I did not know that's that. that yeah, that, how crazy is that? that this not. guy gets no respect, and like you're saying, it's, it's kind of aligning. You draft three fast receivers, you get Marquise Goodwin, who— not going to probably be healthy for a full 16. Same with Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. But they're there. They're healthy to start the season. And I think it's Carson Wentz. It's easily Carson Wentz for See, me. I'm not, I'm not going to take Aaron Rodgers in any draft because he sucks. But Carson Wentz is I going. I was a big Aaron, Ro- Aaron Yeah, well, that, that's what's fan. Yeah, now look at it. Yeah, no. Yeah. You could he's, say the same thing. He's 38 years old, right? I think he's 38. Man, I, that's fine. He's still, he's, he's okay. He's, he's okay. He's, he's all right. I, I don't know that Rodgers is even, you know, everyone wants to say that he's on to decline. I don't even know if he is. He still looks pretty good to me. I think the bigger problem is they're making him into a system quarterback now. And I don't know that he's going to be able to overcome that. When you look at last season, in nine of his 16 games, he had one or zero touchdown passes. That's pretty killer in fantasy, right? You need those big games, and they're becoming fewer and further between for him. You mentioned it. You know They're going to run the ball more. That's what LaFleur wants to do. He seems obsessed with wanting to be Kyle Shanahan right yeah. down to you know going and drafting the running back in AJ Dillon but also then coming back and in a third round taking Deguara who's going to be that Kyle Juszczyk guy for them in that offense and then not really addressing the receiver position at all I'm not that big of a fan of Devin Funches he's kind of more like a yeah. tight end on the outside <laughs> he can help you know in the red zone I suppose but I don't think that he's going to really make a huge impact on Rogers fantasy value so I'm always obsessed with the public's perception of players because when you're making trades, when you're doing rankings, that's where you're going to get these edges, right? Everyone thinks one thing and they've kind of convinced themselves into a single narrative. And the problem with Rodgers is he's got the name. Everyone's going to draft him or overdraft him and he doesn't deserve it anymore. And then you have a guy like Wentz who's on the opposite end of that public perception thing where this is a guy a couple years ago was on his way to potentially an MVP season before he gets hurt. Yeah. You know, then he comes back, he gets hurt again. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody falls in love. Oh, Nick Foles is the savior there. And they forget just how good Wentz was a couple years ago. And the big thing last year, yeah, 4,000 yards, you know, over, you know, he had 27 touchdowns. And he did it all with, you know, basically no receiving core for most of the year. But the bigger thing is he started running again. You know, now two years removed from that knee injury. He goes out, he gets close to 250 rushing yards, has a rushing touchdown. And we know now that to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback, you almost have to have those kind of rushing numbers. Those aren't Lamar Jackson numbers by any means, but you need a little bit of rushing production just to bump you up into that range. And Wentz has it, and that gives him a shot 
to be a top five, you know, quarterback with the receiving core a little healthier. Yeah. I don't really care when Alshon Jeffrey comes back. You know, I'm a little interested in JJ Ortega Whiteside this year because there's some talk that you know maybe he was hurt last year. Maybe he can fill that Jeffrey role. But they're bringing in the speed. You mentioned yeah. it, yeah. Deshaun Jackson healthy again. You know, you're bringing in Rager. A trade for for Marquise Goodwin, who, who's a vet, right, who's got that right. speed as well. And you have Howie Roseman come out and say they want to push the ball deep. That's the offense that they want to play. And one of the problems last year they got into was it was too much in the short to intermediate range, and you had to rely on those tight ends all the time. Now you have Miles Sanders in his second year. He's a pretty oh. good pass catcher out of the backfield. You got Boston Scott, the backup running back there also a pretty good pass catcher out of the backfield. So there's all kinds of weapons, a coaching staff that I believe in. I think you're looking at Wentz as a guy who has that top five upside. And I know Rodgers back in the day was, you know, a top two fantasy quarterback oh, sure. for a long stretch sure. there. And most of the years where he wasn't hurt, he was putting up those numbers. I don't think he's that guy anymore. I think his ceiling is more that low end QB one in fantasy now. Yeah, everyone's waiting for that Rodgers blow-up game, and then all of a sudden he has that game against Oakland's defense, who was just injured and no one there. And like, oh, he's back. Look what he did against Oakland. <laughs> like, I think you could do that out there with Oakland and again, yeah. a blindfold on. Just That doesn't mean much to me at all. Once you mentioned that rushing is another hidden thing people don't like to like look at, I guess, but it's a thing, and you know he's healthy this year going into it. More rushing. Also, his touchdown percentage was 4.4% last year compared to 5.2% in 2018 and 7.5% in 2017. Positive regression likely to happen for Carson Wentz in the touchdown department. And I like touchdowns. We mentioned how touchdowns are a big thing. Aaron Rodgers didn't really get them. Carson Wentz should be getting some touchdowns this year. He also tied his career high in attempts and completions last year. So I'm all, I'm all aboard Carson Wentz training. People got to start putting some respect on him. I, th- I think he wants to prove why he was taken second overall four years ago. So it, it's his it's his year to shine with all the weapons around him. So hopefully he has a good year. Yeah, easy choice for all of us. We all went with Carson Wentz. A little bit tougher choice. It's earlier in drafts to end of the first round, early second round. You have to decide between Kenyon Drake and Austin Eckler. Boone, I'll kick it off with you. What, what you got? Who you got here? It, I like both these guys. I'll say yeah. that. But it's Kenyon Drake for me. And I look at him as a guy who I think should be a first-round pick in fantasy drafts based on what he did last season. We, we watched him get underutilized in Miami for years, and we can blame Adam Gase for that. Yeah. And then he goes to the Cardinals and absolutely explodes. And part of that is the system there because David Johnson in the first six games, and I'm not as down on David Johnson as everyone. I think he was hurt most of last season, and I think maybe he even rushed back because he saw what Kenyon Drake was doing and he didn't want to lose his job. So that clip where he's running so slow and everybody wants to pile on, (laughs) he's going to be a little healthier this year. He's going to get some opportunity. We'll see. But he was a top five fantasy back through the first six games before he got hurt. So really we're in a situation where maybe – any running back with some talent in that offense is going to be able to produce not not quite like the 49ers maybe but we could be getting that sort of situation we have this spread system where defenses can't key on the line and all of a sudden any running back that gets back there is going to be able to break these big runs i think arizona was second in the league of runs over 20 plus yards last year so there's going to be big plays and if you just look at the numbers i mean i haven't memorized them so i'm going to read them off for you quick but in eight games there If you take those stats and put them over a full season, and it's nice and easy to do, you don't have to do any calculations, you just have to double everything because he was there for exactly eight games, it would work out to 246 carries, 1,286 rushing yards, 56 receptions, 342 receiving yards, and 16 total touchdowns. 
if he had those numbers over a full season, the only guy that would have topped him at running back last year was Christian McCaffrey. And I'm not even suggesting that that's what's going to happen this season, but I'm showing you that because I'm saying this is a guy that even if he doesn't put up those numbers, he's got a pretty good shot to be an RB1 in fantasy in that offense. So I really like Drake this year when you talk about Hopkins coming in. And now just another reason why defenses aren't going to be able to crowd the line and try to stop him. It's a great situation. Now, I said, I don't hate Austin Eckler by any means, but I think there's a couple of things we have to remember with Austin Eckler. One of them is that early in the season when Melvin Gordon was holding out, he put up great numbers. Now, Justin Jackson is a player that that coaching staff has talked up a bunch. They like him a lot. I know they went out and drafted Josh Kelly. We'll see how that all works out. I think maybe both those guys could even potentially be involved this year. But last year in the third game, so after two and a half games, you see Justin Jackson get hurt. So then that allows Eckler to put up even bigger numbers. Then Melvin Gordon comes back and he was still solid, but he was more towards that you know fringe RB1 range rather than putting up the, the top five kind of stats. And I think that's what we're going to look at this year. I think they're going to work in Kelly. They're going to work in Justin Jackson. And then I'm a little worried about the, the pace of play of that offense in general. You have Tyrod Taylor there now. The coaching staff has been pretty open about the fact that they want to lean on the defense. They want to slow things down. They're not going to come out running and gunning. And Phillip Rivers, for as erratic as his play was last year and maybe over the last couple seasons, he loved dumping it down. He loved throwing it to Eckler. I don't know that we're going to see that kind of, you know, checkdowns from Tyrod Taylor because Tyrod's going to be able to run the ball a little bit in those situations. So all in all, when you look at that, it just makes me bump Eckler down a little bit. I still have him back in that fringe RB1 range, the low end RB1, RB2 range rather than, you know, Drake, who I think you can make a pretty good argument for Drake being, you know, a late first round pick and potentially cracking, you know, the top six or seven running backs even. Yeah. So between the two, I don't hate Austin Eckler. I still go Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake is the correct answer. So, one guy right. Not that. Who, who do you got between these two guys? I'm going to disagree with you both. <laughs> that's just automatically. The, that's just a, okay. Listen, nothing against Drake. I agree. He's, he's in a good offense. The offense is going to flurry. They're going to score a lot of points. Exactly. I, I got no problem with him at all. But So, you don't want a player on a good offense that's going to score a lot of points? Uh, I've been taking a lot of heat from people because I like Eckler. I'm all over Eckler. Everybody's telling me how wrong I am. No, no, no. I think it's just because when I put it on the show sheet, I put players that I just yeah. know are better in Eckler, and you just keep going Eckler. It's okay. Listen, he was fantastic, like Boone said, when, when uh, Gordon was a holdout. His, his receiving yards alone were 933 yards on 92 receptions, and he had eight receiving touchdowns. He only rushed for 557 yards, uh, so he really didn't rush the ball a lot. He was more active in the receiving game, and like Boone said, uh, he got a lot of them short, dumb passes from Rivers, and it, it helped his fantasy value tremendously. So uh, he was the fourth most productive back in fantasy. This year, I think he's in a better fantasy situation, believe it or not, than last season. Really? I don't think he's going to be splitting as many touches now with Tyrod Taylor there. I mean, Justin Jackson's going to have value there, but I think he's going to be their workhorse back. He's going to be their three-down back. He's going to be catching balls out of the backfield. Um now that Gordon is gone, Eckler will see more carries as a lead back. He's got no, he's got no choice. I think they're going to utilize him well. A big part of Eckler's fantasy production, I will say, will depend on Tyrod's uh, production as a passer and his ability to move the chains. So if Tyrod can do that, I think Eckler's going to have another good year. 
Yeah. No, I got nothing against Drake. They're both good candidates, but you just want to pick the. I just like the, Austin Eckler. So you don't want to win. Hey, you want to lose. No. First round picks matter. You're probably gonna take him in the first, second round. Not that, I mean, Drake right now is going one pick in front of him. Honestly, it's like very, very close. They're like 201, 202 right now. Drake's probably gonna creep up a little more as we get closer to August. So Eckler being a little cheaper may have you lean that way. But Drake I, is the real Eckler's deal. I just love production out of the backfield receiving. I think his receiving. His receiving is going to up his fantasy value, but Tyrod's got to be able to move them chains. If he doesn't, I think they're going to—you you won't see that much out of Eckler, but I'll take my chance. I think that's the concern with Eckler, though, right? Like I'm saying, if Tyrod doesn't dump it off to him as much, he's so dependent on those receiving numbers because he doesn't put up the big rushing stats, like you said. And when Melvin Gordon came back, Austin Eckler didn't have a rushing touchdown the rest of the way from, like, week five on— he didn't cross the goal line on the ground. It was just, you know, a few receiving touchdowns. Whereas Kenyon Drake, like I said, is a guy who's going to get that work because who else is really going to take it from him there, right? And like I mentioned, he had eight touchdowns in those eight games. He had over 100 rushing yards in three of those eight games. So he can put up those really big numbers that way and isn't just dependent on the receiving stats like I think Eckler is. So for me, that gets me a little worried, especially when you're talking about them drafting a bigger back as much as I like Justin Jackson really the only guy that has the the bulk there to be the goal line back is Kelly so you could see a situation that's kind of what I'm projecting where you have Justin Jackson getting some work you know between the 20s and then you have Kelly coming in and probably serving as the goal line back a lot of the time I think yeah bigger he's the only guy above 205 pounds in their backfield so definitely looking like the goal line back and I think we have a bet we have a bet right now I took Drake you took Eckler we also have another bet where I took Joshua Kelly, you took Justin Jackson. So you're just, you just, <laughs> I don't know what you want to do here, but I'll take that one for sure. But jo- Boone mentioned it. You're going to see Drake when he gets touches, he produces, even back in his time He's in 2017. He's the second guy on here who's trying to change my mind. They, they're, val- val- <laughs> they're valid points. I mean, I'm not going to say they're not. I mean, I'll I, even I, tell I, you I this. I'll even tell you this. If I think that there's a path for Kenyon Drake to finish as the overall RB1 this season. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I don't think Austin Eckler has that path. I don't think it's going to happen in that Chargers offense where if everything goes right for Drake, he could really be, and maybe, you know, maybe Christian McCaffrey gets hurt for a few games or something, but, you know, I think it could end the year where we see Drake as the number one overall RB. That's the kind of upside he has. That's, that's a big upside right there, but definitely I, I agree that's with that's a very, another valid in, point. In 2017, when he finally had the final five games, the backfield to himself in Miami, he averaged 119 total yards and 0.4 touchdowns a game. Now you put him in Arizona, taking a step forward in the second year of Kyler Murray, second year of Cliff Kingsbury, and now you add DeAndre Hopkins. More scoring opportunities. They run a lot of plays. We already know the pace of play. It's wheels up for Kenyon Drake if he's healthy. And that's I mean, even him. If he's healthy. Wait, what did he play with Miami? Six games? I think, right, the first six games first of six, the season games. was that's, Miami? Yeah. He did not, absolutely that's nothing. That's Miami. Well, then he comes to Arizona in his first game. I think he had... I think he had 120 rushing yards in his first game. Yeah, yeah he had 162 and I believe yeah. one touchdown against the 49ers. Yeah. And against the 49ers, so it was That's a pretty a tough matchup too. Defense, yeah. Exactly. Another easy selection for me in the round three of drafts. You have Mike Evans going as the wide receiver seven and DJ Moore as the wide receiver nine. Oh, DJ Moore, now you're talking my language. Oh, see, look, <laughs> this is why we go back to the Justins. We're both Justins right now. That's Boone. It's, That's Boone. It's, it's, when he said the DJ Moore, it's Justins. I'm a big, big DJ Moore fan, so Boone, I'll let you take the stage. Why are you taking DJ Moore over Mike Evans? 
how, I mean, how could you not That's take what DJ I'm Moore? Saying. And the, <laughs> similar to the Eckler situation where it's not that I'm that down on a guy. And I always find this funny too, because when you're talking about the guys near the top, you're talking about a few spots difference. Really, the projection's not that much different. But I am in love with DJ Moore. I went out, I traded for him uh, in a dynasty league, in my main dynasty league. This is a guy that everything about him, except for one thing, is pointing to him being an elite receiver a guy who could be maybe a top five receiver at this point next year we might be looking at him as a guy who could be in that range potentially even a first round pick in redraft leagues now when you look at the numbers that he's put up the first year over 700 yards okay that's good last year 87 catches almost 1200 yards he gets a little bit of rushing production as well but last year he was catching passes and i don't want to disparage kyle allen here but kyle allen is a backup quarterback. He's the definition of a backup quarterback. I think he's getting an upgrade in Teddy Bridgewater. A lot of people don't like Teddy Bridgewater and they don't think he has the elite upside. I agree with them, but across the board, he's an upgrade on Kyle Allen. He is great in the short to intermediate range, which is, you know, why DJ Moore had so many catches last year because Kyle Allen wanted to throw in that range. But Bridgewater is so much better. He has better accuracy all over the field. Then also, you have the arrival of this offensive-minded coaching staff. You have Matt Rule coming in. You have Joe Brady coming in. You have a defense that's getting completely rebuilt. So there's going to be some growing pains with those guys. You're going to end up in some shootouts here. Carolina is not going to win very many games. You're going to have a bunch of shootouts. You're going to have to throw the ball a lot. Last year, they had 633 passing attempts. It was second in the league. That was kind of like a quiet stat. That's one of those stats that... When I saw it in the offseason, I was surprised. I was like, wow, really? Like, they threw the ball that much? They're going to be in that range again. That, everything is pointing to them being in that range again. And I thought it was great. Uh, Andrew Erickson uh, just signed on with Pro Football Focus. I don't know if you guys have had him on the pod, but I highly recommend you doing it. He's been on the Score Fantasy Football podcast. A little while ago, he had a really good tweet. Of all NFL players within their first two seasons who had at least 140 receptions and at least 1,900 yards, no player had fewer TDs than Moore who had six. And that is the one stat that everyone looks at and says, well, he doesn't get the touchdowns. Well, the next closest guy on that list was Jarvis Landry with nine. There is some touchdown regression coming here. The volume that he is going to command, the touchdowns are going to come. That's a stat that really varies wildly year to year. We're going to see him put up some touchdowns. He even talked about it this offseason that he's making a point that he wants to get into the end zone more. So I think people should be taking advantage of the fact that he hasn't scored a lot of touchdowns because it's given you that buy low window potentially. It's given you that value in redraft leagues. We're going to get him in the third round, maybe even sneaking into the fourth round. And he could be a guy that ends up, you know, giving you second round value, potentially even this year, first round value. And then Mike Evans, like I said, it's not that I dislike Mike Evans. I still have him as a low-end wide receiver one for fantasy this year. I just think the Bucks are the opposite end of the spectrum from the Panthers this year because that Bucks defense was quietly very strong last season. Now you add Brady to the mix. I'm not that worried about you know Brady's deep arm. Stats show he, he's still pretty good. I don't think his arm's fallen off just yet. I think the overall volume of that passing game is going to drop because you don't have Jameis Winston coming out and throwing a pick on the first series right. and throwing, you know, three picks in the first half. And all of a sudden they're down and they're in comeback mode the rest of the way. And they're just chucking it all over the yard. 
they're not going to have to do that as much anymore. Brady's going to limit the turnovers. You know, now you're adding, you know, in addition to Chris Godwin, you're adding Rob Gronkowski, who I don't think Gronk's going to put up big yardage, but he's going to be a problem around the red zone. That's going to take away from Mike Evans a little bit. And if they can get anything from this rushing attack, which they haven't really been able to do, but if they start winning a few more games, maybe they start leaning on that running game a little more in the second half, as opposed to being in comeback mode. So that's why I have him just a little bit lower and, and really DJ Moore, it's the untapped potential. I know how consistent Evans has been, but DJ Moore, I, I'm so excited about him. He could be a top three guy. If I keep talking, I'm going to tell you he's going to be the number one guy this year. <laughs> yeah, he, he's my wide receiver five right now in redraft. And I don't even care. That's just, I, I'm a big DJ Moore fan. Dad, before I just start, Foaming at the mouth and in love with DJ yeah, Moore. Yeah. I want you to go first. Why, why are you taking DJ Moore well, over Mike Evans? DJ Moore. I mean, Boone said it all. I mean, he, yeah. he said everything right. Bridgewater is going to be an immediate upgrade on production from last year. The defense is going to struggle, so they're going to have to pass a lot. Saying that, we're probably going to get another heavy dose of DJ Moore in 2020 with improved play. Um, his targets might decrease with Anderson there, but no. with increased efficiency. I um, mean, he could have a better season. Safe bet to return to top 15 value. No problem there, right? Evans, I don't have a problem with Evans. He was among the most productive wide receiver in fantasy last year, a top 10 receiver in four of his six seasons. Unfortunately, Tom Brady is not a risk taker, just like Boone said. You're not going to have Winston slinging a ball out there, throwing interceptions. I mean, they're, they're always been behind, so he's just chucking a ball. That's not Brady. Brady, look at his uh, interception rate that he's had year after year. He just he doesn't make that many mistakes, and I don't think he's going to hear. That's why he's, he's the greatest. He's got all the weapons around him. He's going to have a lot of weapons to choose from. I think he's going to be successful there. But, I, I, I mean, I don't think uh, Evans is going to have a year like he had last year. He's still going to be a low-end wide receiver one, like Boone said. But for, for me get also, thousand yards. it's DJ Moore. Yeah, DJ Moore all day. He mentioned the touchdowns. The only thing people have yeah. a little concern on, well, you're not a touchdown scorer until you do it. And then it's like it's not sticky year to year. I expect him to get at least six touchdowns this year, and that, that'd make me happy. Kyle Allen, I, I could talk about how much he sucks. He's, he's just not good at all. And I wasn't a big Cam Newton fan either. Oh, well, yeah, Cam, so in 2018. Cam Newton, Newton never threw the ball. Yeah. Whenever he threw it deep, he was inaccurate. Yeah, as exactly. In 2018, Cam Newton was 40th. He gave DJ Moore 40th among all wide receivers in catchable target rate. Last year with Kyle Allen, he was even worse. DJ Moore had the 74th ranked catchable target rate that's how like it's, it's just insane and now you get teddy bridgewater who was second in accuracy rating among all quarterbacks and fourth among all quarterbacks in true completion percentage that's, that right there that should just say it all it's all dj moore as a rookie 9.8 points per game to 15.4 in his second year he was the wide receiver 14 last year with missing a game so if you add in that one game Nine targets a game, he had 135 targets. You add in that nine targets a game, he probably gets into the top 12 territory. He missed it by a couple of points. He scored 16.4 per game during the regular season. Missed one game. I mentioned the nine targets per game. That I mean, I like targets floor, and he earns targets. They're not just given. Next thing you know, he gave you wide receiver two or better numbers in 66.7% of the weeks. That's, I mean, I'll take that all day. A consistent floor guy with three top wide, wide receiver one weeks. As, and then you want to add in context, you, you get an upgrade at quarterback. NFC South, rookie defense. They're probably going to get ripped to shreds. NFC South is always shootouts. Yep. Playing that's that's. I mean, I'm taking it all day. DJ Moore negative game script. DJ Moore top five wide receiver this year in fantasy. If you, I mean, the upside is the moon. I'm I'm all over DJ Moore. I'll get him wherever I can. Big big DJ Moore fan. So I think you got him almost all your every team you have, don't you? 
Miles Sanders I have in like 11 <laughs> out of 15 dynasty leagues and I have and I have DJ Moore in I think 10 now I don't know I have DJ Moore and Miles Sanders are my two guys so if you have DJ Moore or Miles Sanders on the show sheet uh, I'll just I mean I'll have a, have a little love fest going on there yeah the one thing I will say about uh, DJ Moore, as exciting as that NFC South is going to be, I think it's the Bucks and the Panthers that have a Week 13 bye this year, which is very, very late. So if you're in a league where the playoffs start that early, if you're in Scott Fishbowl, which we were talking about before the show, guys, unless you think you're getting that bye in the first week of the playoffs, that could be a little risky taking those guys early. Yeah, it definitely could be. I'll keep my, my league mates. I'll ma- leave it ambiguous. I may take DJ Moore. Who knows? We'll see. We'll have to wait and see about that. So <laughs> <laughs> my Play-Doh division members, yeah, you got to watch out. Now, tight ends. It's tight end premium. We're just talking regular tight ends, though. Hunter Henry versus Tower Higby, the late-season bloomer. Dad, who do you got between these two? Currently going as the tight end, I believe, seven. I'm, I'm, tight end six and nine. I'm tickling Tyler Higby. All right. There you go. Correct answer for me. I wow. Tyler Higby. Now I, now I get the bell. So... Listen, this guy was outstanding from weeks 13 to 17 where the Rams went to a two tight end set, two wide receiver set. He went from 62% of the snaps to 85% of the snaps. Therefore, he averaged over 20 fantasy points per game in that stretch, finishing in the top 10 for the year. Right, 2020 should be more of the same. With Cooks and Gurley gone, that opens up about 121 targets if you do the math between the two up for grabs. And as of now, there is no workhorse back as of right now. And their offensive line, I think, is declining. I think the passing game will be undervalued, will be valuable, and Higby should see plenty of work in that offense again. Henry, on the other hand, had another injury scare for the fourth consecutive season in a row. Um, yeah, I think he averaged around 12 points a game last year. Uh, Tyrod Taylor comes in, who is more mobile than Rivers. Uh, Taylor is a passer who keeps the ball out of harm's way when in the pocket. With his rushing ability, I think it's going to take away from Hunter Henry. I think he's going to lose some of them touchdowns around the goal line. So for me, it's Tyler Higby all day. Tyler Higby for you. Boone, what about you? Yeah, it's definitely Tyler Higby. I moved him ahead of Henry a little earlier in the offseason. When you're talking about the one-off positions, and you could kind of bleed this back into like the Wentz-Aaron Rodgers thing, how I mentioned that I want Wentz because I think he has that top five upside. In those one-off positions, I really want to get a guy that I think can be elite. And I know it was a small sample size last year, but man, Higby was elite. That Those are numbers that I don't know if I've ever seen a tight end put up, right? The, the 400-yard games, 84 and a touchdown the other game. Just absolutely wild. He scored three more fantasy points in PPR leagues per game, more than the second closest tight end during that stretch. Yeah. It's wild. And you talked about it, you know, the switch to 12 personnel, that really the focus on him and Robert Woods as the primary pass-catching weapons down the stretch there, you can't put that back in the box. I know if you want to say, you know, well, Cooper Cup was coming off an injury, so they eased off on him late in the year. Well, if they keep playing this 12 personnel, Cooper Cup's not really suited to play outside. He's more of a slot receiver, so I'm a little bit worried about his production. Gerald Everett, yeah, he did well, and he was somebody that I was interested in before last year. But you're not going to just go to Everett at this point. You're going to have him out there. He'll get some more stats and pick up some of those vacated targets like you talked about. But you're going to give Higby a chance to see if he can give you what he did late last season again over a longer stretch. Uh, Higby, looking at pro football focuses grades, he was tied with Travis Kelsey for third, the third best grade among tight ends behind George Kittle, 
behind Mark Andrews and then tied with Kelsey. He's right up there, man. That's the best possible company to keep. And then Hunter Henry, you kind of said it, you know, the injuries are a big, big problem. If he didn't have the injuries and he was playing with Phillip Rivers, there wouldn't be a question. He already would have been a, a breakout player at that position. We might be talking about him as a, a top five guy, but it didn't happen. And now Philip Rivers, who loves tight ends, is gone. And then this goes back to that Austin Eckler stuff, right? Is there going to be enough volume overall? What I think is going to happen that offense this year is Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry and even Austin Eckler's passing you know, work. It's going to be a little harder to predict week to week. They're going to be a little more inconsistent. And that's why I think Henry's got to get bumped down a little bit. He's going to need the the touchdown numbers to get him back up there. And I'm not that confident that he's going to put up big touchdown totals there. So I'm going to take the shot on Higby. I think they're both a little bit flawed. But once you get outside of the top four or five tight ends, a lot of the tight ends have flaws. They got upside, but they got flaws as well. And Higby, outside of those top four or five, he's the guy that I think has the the most upside and potentially dominates. So he's somebody I'm very interested in in the the mid you know middle rounds where you can get him. Yeah, that's Higby for me too. We're we're doing clean sweeps left and right tonight. But <laughs> twelve personnel, it's the biggest thing I believe. And also he was fourth among all tight ends in yards after the catch, and that was with him not even playing above seventy percent of the snaps until week twelve in the season. So they like his yak ability. This offseason, Sean McVay and Jared Goff both talked up Tyler Higby. It's wheels up for him. Dad, I know you love someone named Hayden Hurst. You love Hayden Hurst. I love Hurst. Hayden Hurst your... going to Atlanta. So Hayden Hurst or Tyler Higby, who do you got? Hayden Hurst for me all day. Oh, it's Hayden Hurst all day for you. Yeah, I mean, that's they're close for me. I'm, I'm not going to probably take either. I love the situation he's going into. I'll, I'll take Tyler Higby. I'll, I'll put it on the table right now. I'll take Tyler Higby over Hayden Hurst. Give me, give me a player that's actually shown he can be productive in the NFL compared to a guy who is all just speculation at this point. <laughs> We're gonna put that on the table. <laughs> put it on the table. We don't have much arguing today. I gotta make some arguments. We have no, no bantering today, so we're, we're gonna. We're all agreeing. Probably you're probably talking about my two favorite breakout Ooh, tight yeah. ends there, because I also love Hayden Hurst this year. But I got I got Higby a little bit higher. Yeah. If you want it, one more thing about uh, Henry and Higby. If you want to look at, it, I mentioned sort of the the lower volume that I think is going to come out of that Chargers offense. I don't love Jared Goff. But in the two seasons with McVay, he's thrown for over 4,600 yards in each of those years. So you know the passing volume is going to be there, right? So it's got to go to somebody. I'm not really confident in you know any of those backs you know really emerging. It's possible one of those guys could. I think we're going to see a bit of a committee there, and I don't think you know any of them profile as you know an insane pass catcher out of the backfield. So I don't know if we're going to see a guy catch you know 50, 60 balls in that backfield. So. Higby's got a great shot here to put up big numbers in an offense that needs him to produce. Yeah, these are tough decisions drafters are going to have to make. Not tough for us. We're all agreeing in lockstep with all these things. But <laughs> That's pretty high, really, and one, one disagreement tonight. Yeah. So say you're ordering a pizza, Boone. You're ordering a pizza. What, what's, what's your ideal topping you want to put on this pizza? What, what do you go? What's your go-to pizza topping? Oh man, mine's controversial. It's pepperoni and pineapple. Oh, so pineapple does like belong pineapple. on pizza for you. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the pineapple. You throw some peppers on there, you know. Now, now you you're talking his language with the Hawaiian and get oh. bacon and everything. I do that too. The big thing for me is you got to have the blue cheese, right? Growing up the blue near Buffalo, imagine got, liking ranch over blue cheese. cheese. Imagine liking ranch over blue cheese. I can't. That could not be me. That's disgusting. <laughs> ranch is just the inferior condiment. You can rank some ranches and blue cheeses above it all the time. So definitely with that. But you got to defend Absolutely. this pineapple on pizza. People are like, oh, that doesn't belong on pizza. Why does pineapple belong on pizza? 
I don't know. I like the I like the sweet mixed in there. Exactly. Have you ever gone to like one of those restaurants? Like there's like the like the Brazilian style restaurants, the the steakhouses, and they have like the grilled pineapple, yeah. and you're, you're having like the steak and all that different meat, and then you have like that sweet grilled pineapple. It's kind of the same on the yeah. pizza. You get that little little yeah. flavor in there. Yeah, pineapple pizza. I I, I think it's perfectly okay to go on pizza you can get people who are going to be very they don't like that they're going to be very uh, set in their ways and they're going to argue oh, there's there. a lot of people i've there's heard a lot of people years, yeah. it's a very controversial <laughs> argument but that's a, your ideal pizza thing is just put it all in there buffalo like, chicken pizza is good as too i but. like as much stuff on there as possible i like it all mushrooms black olives uh, sausage pepperoni chicken, take the whole garden put it, it on my, there one yeah, of my favorite gotcha. places to go to is and i don't go there enough is the blaze pizza where you can just go and put whatever you want on there and that thing, you just cook it extra crispy, please. It's got to stay in there longer because it's so weighted down. But it's it's delicious. I mean, I don't want to advocate that Blaze Pizza's quality pizza. <laughs> yeah. It's good for if you're in a hurry and you want to go to a Subway well, kind of deal. you get all that stuff on it for $10, it's a good pizza. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's fair enough. Later in drafts, people maybe, I mean, I don't recommend waiting on running back, but some people will. People, we have some zero RB truthers out there. We're going to load up on wide receiver earlier in drafts. So once you get outside the top 100 players, Who's your favorite late-round running back target, Dad? Late round, he's going about around 140 overall. Ooh. Antonio Gibson. That's I get, good, a, I get another answer. bell. You get another bell today. I'm being nice to you today. People who are tuning guys. in for the first time, <laughs> usually it's not like this. Usually it's a lot of this yeah. and then more of this. It's because we're coming off. <laughs> Because we're coming off Father's Day, right? Yeah, right. we're coming off Father's Day, so I gotta be nice to the. You know, I man. like Alexander Madison in that area. I like a lot of different guys in there, but Antonio Gibson, I, I think, late in the round, if you can get this guy, he's going to contribute both as a rusher and a receiver. Last year in college, he scored eight receiving touchdowns and four rushing touchdowns. Uh, guys in there, can he stay healthy? You got Peterson, who's old. You got J.D.G. Masinic. Did I say that right? I mean. Geis is already injuries has piled up. Like I said, Peterson is 35, not 38. Uh, there's just too much playmaking ability for Washington to not use him. I mean, he, he could be that late-round flyer with his upside, uh, That and he kind of reminds me of Jamal Charles. Yeah, yeah I, I can mean, in the backfield. that's fair. He's very, very fast. He ran so a 4-3. If, so. if, if you're late in your draft, take a shot on him. You never, you never know because I don't think if he starts performing a little bit, he, you won't be able to find him on a waiver wire. He'll be gone. No, very, very good choice by you. And the biggest thing is once you're looking for these kind of high upside guys outside the top 100, always lean with a pass catcher because we know how valuable these targets are. And Antonio Gibson – played wide receiver in college along with running back so he, he definitely know he can pass catch and he did test as a wide receiver as well but he's gonna be a running back and i think it's a perfect selection as along with alexander madison boone who do you got as your favorite late round running back target i feel like some of my answers are kind of tied to previous answers and this one i got chase edmonds all oh, over the place right i like Kenyon drake Right. If I if I like Kenyon Drake, if something happens to Kenyon Drake, like I mentioned before, David Johnson put up top five numbers. Then you had Kenyon Drake come in and put up top five numbers. And right in between there, when David Johnson was hurt and before Kenyon Drake showed up, we had Chase Edmonds come out and have this massive game, 150 yards from scrimmage, scored three touchdowns, probably won a ton of people money in DFS and stuff. He's a guy that if he gets a significant amount of touches in that offense for whatever reason, whether and I'll admit it, whether Drake maybe isn't what I thought he was going to be and he can't get it done or whether he gets hurt. If Edmonds gets in there, you know, a lot of people look to Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard as these guys that are these elite handcuffs. 
you got to pay a little bit more to get them, especially Madison now with the the Cook potential holdout looming. His price is going up a little yeah. bit. Edmonds isn't far off for me. I have him pretty close to them in my rankings, and I think he has similar upside there. You're talking about a, a rushing attack. It was second in Football Outsiders' uh, offensive run DVOA last year. And I kind of mentioned it earlier with Drake, right? It's a, an offense that seems to be getting to the point where that rushing attack is going to be plug and play. Whoever ends up in there, almost like the 49ers, we're going to want a piece of that. So if Chase Edmonds gets his shot at any point in the year for whatever reason, man, that is going to be a potential league-winning value for you. 100% agree with that. You mentioned San Fran and how their backfield's kind of hot hand. My favorite late-round running back target is Tevin Coleman, currently going at the 119, running back 45. It's a committee backfield. They got rid of Breida, so now it's kind of just Mostert, Coleman. McKinnon's there, but McKinnon, unfortunately, hasn't been able to stay healthy, so I'm not even going to really count him as a running back in that backfield. Last season... Tevin Coleman suffered a high ankle sprain in week one, and that kind of deterred him for the rest of the year. You saw what Mostert did down the stretch. He's cheaper than Mostert, and in these kind of ambiguous backfields where it's not going to be one workhorse back, it's going to be more of a hot-hand approach. I'm going to take the cheaper option 10 times out of 10. He's going way later, like six rounds later than Raheem Mostert. Last season, Coleman had 15 rush attempts inside the 10-yard line compared to Mostert's six. All it needs is one bad game for Mostert and Coleman to get some run, and next thing you know, the next couple of weeks, he's going to lean on Coleman, and they're going to do a high-hand approach. So Tevin Coleman is my favorite late-round running back target. All the guys you mentioned today, though, definitely love Chase Edmonds. Alexander Madison, of course, even without the holdout, Cook has injury risk. And Don't forget about Latavius Murray, either. Latavius Murray, they're talking Ty Montgomery in there now. You could take like the Alvin Kamara role with that. We'll have to see how that plays out. Latavius Murray is a good choice as well, but Antonio Gibson, I think, is great. So three... I want to piggyback your 49ers one real quick, and this is more of a dynasty thing, but but you never know, like Raheem Mostert, you never know when this could pop up. One of the things I did immediately in Dynasty this year, whether it's using a, a late round pick in the rookie draft or just going out to the waiver wire and probably getting them, whenever the 49ers sign a UDFA, oh, baby. Jamichael, go baby. get that guy on your roster in Dynasty just in case. Jamichael Hasty, Salvin Ahmed, yep. you want those guys on your roster because like we saw with Mostert last year, you doesn't you don't know what could happen. Injury strike. You know, or guys don't produce, and all of a sudden, you know, Shanahan wants that hot hand, and he's giving anybody a shot. And the next thing you know, Jamichael Hasty's a big part of this backfield. Yeah, so Shanahan keep those guys does in mind. Not care. Shan doesn't care where you came from, whatever it is. It's a hot hand approach, and it's a perfect scheme yeah. for any running back if you're good at the wide zone scheme. And you're going to give Jamichael Hasty with that really quick one cut from Bale, where I was like my favorite fourth round dart throw. Get him, and then Ahmad's going to be on your waiver wire too. Just get both, lock them both up. If something happens, you have the guy who's going to be next up. So. Love that mention right there, especially for deep dynasty leagues as well. Before we get you out of here, Justin, I'm going to need you to give us a very, very bold prediction. And when I say bold, I want you to go bolder <laughs> than bold. And then when you get to there, go a little bit bolder than that. We need a super, super bold take from you before we get you out of here. Man, I, I love bold predictions. I haven't written my bold predictions article. I normally do that a little closer to the season. So yeah, when we talked about this briefly the other day, I just started jotting down a bunch. And I came up with way too many probably, but... The main one, you tell me if this is bold enough. If I need a bolder, I'll go a little higher. Gardner Minshew is going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback this year. I think Gardner Minshew is going to be a top 10 quarterback this Whoa. season. I think there's a very good chance that we are guy. going to see him up there. And I say that with the caveat that last season, 
I wasn't that big on Minshew. I didn't love what I was seeing. I wasn't really playing him anywhere. I think the one week I did play him, he totally melted the down minus in four London. Point so. week. Yeah, that's when, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I was not, you know, all aboard the Minshew train last season. But then after the year, when I went back and looked at his stats, looked at what that team's done, man, there's a lot to like there. And it starts with the rushing production, which very quietly, he put up big rushing stats. He had over 300 rushing yards, and he didn't even start the full season. He was on pace to put up over 400 rushing yards on the year. Now he's getting an upgraded offensive coordinator. You get Jay Gruden coming in there. Gruden's done pretty well with some quarterbacks that aren't exactly elite talents over the years, and I'll include Kirk Cousins in that. I think Kirk Cousins is good, but I think Jay Gruden really helped him to get the most out of his ability. And looking at, you know, like I said earlier, you need that rushing to get yourself up into that top 10, top 12 range for quarterbacks. They also go out and add LaVisca Cheneau, who I really like. They add Tyler Eifert, who isn't going to be a full-time player, but is a guy who could give you, you know, six, eight touchdowns if he stays on the field. Uh, they add Chris Thompson, very smart add, a guy, you know, Eifert too, but Thompson knows Gruden's system. He can help in this very strange offseason that we're having where, you know, there's limited interaction with the players and the coaches. He can help, you know, let everybody understand what Gruden's trying to get done in that system. And then when you go back and look at the actual stats that Minshew had last year, and I'm big on, you know, taking the numbers, trying to pace them out. What could he have done? doesn't give you an exact idea, but it gives you a, a picture of maybe where he could have been. He finished the year as the QB 20, but he had 12 games where he played hundred uh, percent of the snaps. And if you take those games and you pace them out over 16, you would have had 3,800 passing yards, 24 passing touchdowns, just five picks. So he's very smart with the ball. He fumbled a little bit too much, but just five picks. And then most importantly, like I said, he would have had 440 rushing yards. The other thing with Gruden that's interesting, I went back and looked over the last nine seasons under Gruden, his quarterbacks, he's not afraid to call their number at the goal line. They've averaged 2.8 rushing touchdowns per season. Minshew didn't have a rushing touchdown last year. So that's another area where we could see him regress a little bit and get some better numbers. So I think there's a lot of reasons to like him. DJ Shark breaking out last year. He's a player that gives him a true number one target in that offense. And then you add in all those other guys that we had there. So a team that's probably going to lose a lot of games. My only concern is that if at some point in the season, Jacksonville decides, you know what, we really got to get that number one pick. Do they bench Minshew at some point? Almost like we saw Andy Dalton get benched last year, you know, by the Bengals just to put a guy in there who you know can't get it done and Ryan Finley. Do we see Jake Luton or somebody get a shot late in the season? I don't know, but I think Minshew is going to surprise a lot of people this year, and especially in fantasy, thanks to that rushing production. Yeah, sneaky Konami code quarterback. I love the bold that's it, right, right there. So definitely, that that, that's bold. That, that's that bold. That's bold. definitely bold that enough bold. for us. But bold enough, all right. Do you want to give a nice little bonus one for when it's past this? People who stay listening to the whole thing, they get a nice little extra bold take for you. Cool, real quick little bold one if you wrote down another one. I, I did one for every position, so I'll just <laughs> rattle them off real quick. I won't give the complete breakdowns, awesome. but David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, both finishing as RB1s Ooh, this year in the wow. low-end RB1s, but I think they're going to have the opportunity. Not that worried about Frank Gore. He'll take some touches, but that might even help Bell be a little more efficient. You know, improvements to the offensive line. Sam Darnold not getting mono this year. Hopefully he doesn't get COVID either and miss time. Um, you know, and David Johnson... 
just the volume. I think he's going to get a ton of work there. We saw Carlos Hyde put up a thousand rushing yards. David Johnson also brings the receiving production, which I think is bad news for Duke Johnson there, but we'll see. Uh, Nikhil Harry potentially finishing as a, a top 24 wide oh, receiver. It's a guy everybody forgets about Nikhil Harry. What are we doing here? Last year, the guy comes in. We look at him as the 101 in rookie drafts in a lot of places, in one QB leagues at least. He comes in, the guy gets hurt. He would miss most of the year. That crushes rookies when you don't have the time on the field, you know, and you have a veteran quarterback in Tom Brady that didn't seem to have the patience for someone like Nikhil Harry. And once he did get on the field, he didn't put up big numbers, but he made some flashy plays. So there's a shot that there is a lot more to see there. And I'm somebody who is a little bit bigger of a believer in Jared Stidham maybe than others. And I also think there's a chance that, you know, we could see Cam Newton take a very cheap deal to go to New England at some point. I think that still is on the, the table potentially. Almost uh, in the way that Jameis Winston took a very cheap deal when he went to the Saints. Maybe Newton does that when he realizes he doesn't have very many good options later in the summer. And then Eric Ebron, a couple of years ago, maybe my best bold take ever. A couple of years ago, I said Eric Ebron was going to get double-digit touchdowns. He came out for the Colts. I didn't think it was going to be 14 <laughs> total touchdowns, but I thought it was going to be closer to 10, but had that massive year. Last year, I went the complete opposite way. They had other weapons there. I said, don't do it. That was before you know Andrew Luck, obviously, surprisingly retired, which kind of killed everybody as well there. Um, this year, I think he's going to put up double-digit touchdowns Ooh. again. I think he's back in an offense that... You know, they're going to want to use them. They want to find a, a tight end there that they can get into the mix. Nobody's really answered the bell. Vance McDonald hasn't done it. Everybody wants to get excited about Deontay Johnson and James Washington. This could be a really good pass offense. And kind of like I said with Gronk, not that I think that he's going to have big yardage in this offense, but that doesn't matter. If this offense is scoring and, you know, Big Ben comes back and he's healthy and all signs right now indicate that he is, Eric Ebron could be the big beneficiary there and, and have double-digit scores. 100%. Love the bold takes. Love the Nikhil Harry one. I'm all aboard right Nikhil Harry train. Charles Barkley also agrees. That was good. That, 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 was, that was very good. If people don't know, <laughs> where can they find you on Twitter and what do you do in the fantasy industry, Boone? Nice and simple. At Justin Boone on Twitter. Happy to answer everybody's questions. Uh, I'm at the score. Um, all my content there is free. There are a, a lot of great fantasy draft kits out there. There's a lot of great fantasy content out there at the score you don't have to pay a dime and as of last year i have the most accurate rankings in the industry right sure. now and as you mentioned off the top i've been fortunate i've had a ton of success in the fantasy pros accuracy contest i've been top 11 every year i've been in it and out of 100 awesome. you know 30 to 150 analysts that are in that every year so finally you know was able to get the the win last year it felt great and you know, take home the, the first place trophy. Um, and yeah, all my content's going up there throughout the off season. And then through the season, you know, you can get my rankings three times a week. I'm updating them, posting them. Uh, fantasy uh, football podcast at the score. You check me out there. Right now we're doing one episode a week. That ramps up as we get closer to the season. So man, it's an exciting time. I just hoping we have some football to, to watch and analyze this year. Yeah, us too. we're all hoping for that. Definitely go check out all his work and listen to the podcast. Your ranking story, very consistent, always in the top 11. It's going to be like DJ Moore's career path, always going to be top five with some big booms in there. <laughs> so definitely go check him out. Thank you for Justin coming out. And thanks for yes, people thank you, Justin. tuning into the live stream. And yeah, subscribe if you guys made it this far, and we'll see you guys next time.